0: This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more
1: app news, data, and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. In this episode, we have Eric Crowley, partner in GP Bullhound. Eric, welcome to the Biz of House Podcast. Yeah,
0: thank you so much, Art. It's great to be here.
1: Thank you for coming this is sunny Friday. All right, let me set the stage. On this podcast, we have app marketers, developers, advertisers, experts in various areas of the app industry. All these people share their experience, gave their take on challenging questions, share their dreams and hopes for the industry. Today we really want to give you a perspective from somebody who is, in my opinion, in the best position to give us a bird view on the app industry and talk about where we are and where we're going to. Eric will cover multiple bases, giving us the highlights from the consumer subscription software report issued by GP Bullhound Investment Bank recently. But before doing that, uh, please uh, tell us about yourself, Eric.
0: Sure. Yeah, thanks, Art. Um, So as everyone heard, my name is Eric Crowley. I'm a partner here with GP Bullhound. We're a tech investment bank, but we'll talk about them in a second. Uh, I'm originally from Ohio here in the US, Uh, grew up there for for quite some time. First job was actually driving a truck outside of uh, for CentOS outside of uh, Cleveland, Ohio, and then went and got my MBA at the University of Chicago. And then that's what put me on the finance path, uh, where I spent a couple of years at Lazard doing M&A and restructuring, and then ultimately made a foray into tech by becoming the CFO of an educational uh, technology company called eSpark. And so that was uh, educational software uh, on a SaaS model that we sold into the US K through 12 system, really challenging business. Uh, So ultimately got recruited to come back to banking with GP Bullhound. And I've been there now for about five years um, working on technology, M&A transactions and currently live in the Bay area. I've got a really great big German shepherd and a very tiny little daughter. So I'm a very lucky man. All right, that's
1: great. For the sake of the audience, we may hear a little bit from these awesome doggies, but we may Mm -hmm. not, who knows? Here we go. Uh, so, um, now what is GP Bluehound today? Tell us about your investment bank.
0: Yeah, so we're, we're a pretty unique animal in the, in the investment banking landscape. So we were founded about 20 years ago. We're about 220 people today. Uh, so we've grown nicely, steadily we're owned by our partners, right? So that's kind of, we're kind of internally owned. We're not publicly traded. So we are only a tech investment bank. So we do not raise, you know, we don't go out and do IPOs. We don't do restructurings. We focus on MA and uh, and capital raises for technology companies only. And so we've got nine offices around the globe, uh, headquartered in London, offices in most major European capitals, Berlin, France, Paris, uh, Madrid, Stockholm, and then we've got New York and San Francisco for our offices. And so uh, we primarily focus on the middle market. So companies between 50 million and a billion is our sweet spot. And then we um, recently have kind of started to do some more stuff around the venture side. So We actually have uh, venture capital that we invest ourselves. And this is money we've raised from ex-clients and the partners here at the firm. And so um, we're very aligned with our founders when we, when we do invest um, and we try to get to know them on a very personal level. Um, and we've invested in companies like Slack and Discord, uh, Busu, which is a, lang- English, uh, or a language learning app that we sold to Chegg, uh, a company called Fishbrain, which is a phishing CSS business, um, we are one of the original investors in Spotify as well, all the way back in the day. So we've got a deep history in this consumer subscription app ecosystem.
1: Wow. We had Fishbrain uh, a couple uh, dozens of episodes before, but I didn't remember yeah. the, the, the interview. She was great. The Fishbrain is the concept. It's just awesome. And yeah, who doesn't know what Spotify is? Like The reason why Apple Music exists, to be honest. That's exactly right. How do you see the current state of the app market? I'm asking because you know we've been hearing that the recession are on the corner. This phrase is like, you know within five, six months it should be here just getting ready for it. and that's the only that's far from the only big problem we have in this world, the invasion of Russia and, uh, of Ukraine and the bloody war that's happening there, uh, climate change and everything else. So how do you see the app market in all days?
0: Yeah, it's it's a, it's a an interesting space right now. Um, there's absolutely deals getting done. So at GP Bohan, we'll close two deals this month that are app-based businesses um, that are being sold to fantastic buyers, right? Not distressed prices or anything like that. So the way we describe it, Art, is a, it's a little bit of a barbell market. There are great prices being paid for great companies at any time, right? Even if there's a recession, if, if it's a great business, like someone will pay a great price. So we're actually seeing deals happen on the right side of the barbell. And then, you know, there's always people that are saying, hey, I need to sell now. Um, you know, I'm starting to run a little low on money. Hey, I'm just tired of doing this. I, I'm tapped out. I'm exhausted. I want someone else to take over. And so there's deals like that happening at the, at the left side of the barbell. Um, what you're seeing now is, is kind of starting to hollowing out in the middle of the barbell, which is, you know, companies that are just kind of plotting around, you know, they're growing 10, 15% a year. It's, that's where those deals are tougher to get done these days because investors are really looking for two things, growth and profitability. And so it's if you don't have both of those elements it is a little harder to get a deal done these days. That being said, um, the quality of the app market is better than I've ever seen it in my entire life. So if you if you flash back to the history of the app market, right? The initial things were truly apps. They were just small yeah. little widgets sitting on the phone. They didn't do they didn't connect to a lot of services or other devices or sensors. It was, you know, small calculator apps or a voice recording app. And now I don't even like the term app right? Because an app is really just a portal into a business service that is being offered to a consumer. And that app, which is really a service, right, connects to thousands of other sensors and data points, you know, pulling in from information off the web, information like your GPS off your phone, off your Apple Watch, you know, your heart metrics, your weight, you know, anything, your BMI. And they can, they quickly are moving from just being an app, as, as people call it, to truly digital services that one of their main channels to connect with the consumer is an app. So it's, it's kind of a long way of answering it, that your question, but it's still very robust.
1: Yeah, that's for sure. Um, for people who are listening to this episode, next Monday, you will definitely be knowing that Twitter has changed what's just acquired by Elon. That happens, so big, huge acquisitions do happen these days. Yep, big, uh, big news
0: here in SF. That's for in San Francisco,
1: that's for sure. Yeah, that's uh, if you open the Twitter, you'll see Elon being uh, trending for a while. Yeah, that's a great new world for all of us. Um, and yeah, um, if you remember those uh, slogans from Apple, there's an app for that. Uh, it was really catchy back in the day, but at some point, you know, Apple realized there's no need, there's no room for that slogan anymore. People like, yeah, there are new apps are coming, but the ecosystem shifted towards big platforms that are not just apps anymore. Okay. Uh, from your perspective, what ad category do you see most dynamic and promising today?
0: Yeah, it's so. So we kind of we kind of look at uh, the CSS landscape and and kind of put businesses and we call it consumer subscription software. So if I say CSS, it's consumer subscription software. Um, we kind of put them in a couple different categories. So there's there's obviously entertainment, which we're all familiar with, Netflix, Spotify. There's fitness, which is very popular, right? Peloton has done some great stuff. Fit on. Um, and that includes like outdoor hiking, like all trails or Strava. Then you've got prosumer, which are our categories people are using to do work. So this includes a company like speechify superhuman, um, really interesting consumer subscription plays. And then you've got health and fitness, which is very interesting. That'd probably be one I would, or sorry, health and health and wellness art, which is something that includes femtech, it includes meditation, it includes mental health, um, you know, connections to health professionals, so that that space is very hot, and then um, wealth management, which is kind of like we call like a little bit of the financial management piece, is really interesting right now. I think with the markets kind of going up and down, consumers are saying, "Hey, I've got all these different accounts all across, you know, all these different platforms. No way to truly manage that outside of like an Excel spreadsheet." So that space has become really interesting for us right now. And then um, then there's a host of other stuff which we see that's you know coming up really quickly, and that can be stuff from like religion. Um, we've seen everything from like really great plant management apps. So like a company called Greg has had a great run where they are helping consumers manage their plants, right? When you water, when you water this plant, what type is this plant? Is it sick? Is it healthy? So there's just really cool businesses constantly being created. So if I had to answer a question succinctly, which I did not, I'd probably say like the prosumer space is probably our most uh, interesting space today.
1: Yeah, there, um, I do remember this uh, nice uh, summary by Carol Swisher of Pivot, my favorite tech uh, journalist that used to be a time when uh, uh, entrepreneurs from Silicon Valley were chasing small ideas with big money. That time has gone, we're chasing for big ideas with big money. That's That's the way of doing
0: that. That's great. Totally agree.
1: We live in a very dynamic world and the app industry mirrors its rapid changes. Your app growth depends on new knowledge and skills like never before. This December, one and only Berlin will open its doors for app marketers from all corners of the world. Go to apppromotionsummit.com/berlin to register and be part of it. What obstacles and roadblocks do you see for the app's industry growth at the moment?
0: Yeah, there's, there's probably uh, the biggest thing is app tracking transparency, right? ATT rolled out. Um, there's no way to put it differently. That was a n- huge hit to the space. Right? Oh, yeah. People people had built very efficient marketing models, you know, attribution models, retention, um, and that broke, and it broke in a big way. Um, and so I, I kind of view it as short term pain, long term gain, right? So a lot of app marketers businesses have gotten hooked on cheap mobile ads, right, through Facebook, through Iron Source, through a host of, host of different players, um, and they're using that to drive installs. But the reality is those installs and, you know, any subscriptions that would come for that were generally lower quality than like your true passionate fans. And so what I, what I say when I think it's a long-term gain is it means that marketers and, and founders, entrepreneurs <clears throat> are going to have to reset and they're not going to be focusing on high flashy download numbers, right? They're going to be f- focusing on steady eddy subscriber numbers and then more importantly, retention numbers. And that's ultimately how you build a better, better business is, is doing it that way. So that's, that's probably the, the first major headwind. And then, you know, obviously the the second one and we talked about a little bit is just the recession, right? If consumers feel a little less wealthy, um, they spend a little less, right? And so they may not subscribe to as many entertainment apps. That being said, though, if you're an app that provides a service to someone cheaply, affordably, and makes their life better, you become an affordable luxury. And in recessions, generally, people just trade down from buying a really expensive purse or the new car and instead, they get something that's you know affordable and helps helps their day to day life. So I think there's an opportunity for people there to to be a to have some big winners.
1: Yeah, I would say there's a bit of a perfect storm because uh, on one hand, just like you said, this looming uh, recession is coming. On the other hand, uh, there's so much money in your wallet you can spend on subscriptions, and when you see so many great titles from uh, Amazon Prime, Netflix, Google, Etc. But you know, as much as you'd like to watch all of them, you cannot spend hundreds of dollars for those sus- subscriptions. So the competition grows really um, steadily. So yeah, and um, it remains to be seen how like what what the uh, outcome will be in a few years. Uh, how many subscriptions for video content will be still having? Absolutely. On a basis. And now, when you uh, your investment bank evaluate a new app. How do you assess its potential for growth? And specifically, what KPIs do you need to know to make a decision?
0: Yeah, so, so we, we've developed a framework uh, that we call the CSS flywheel. And, and for anyone listening, this is all available for free on our website. Our CSS reports are free to download. Just go to gpeoplehound.com and insights, and you'll see everything we're talking about here. Um, but so the, the first thing we look at is, is less of a KPI art and more of like, what's their moat? What's the content? right? So like, cause a lot of the, the, how you deliver the app or the service is kind of the same, right? It's through the phone. But the important thing is what are you delivering? Is it really unique content or is it like an also ran content where it's, you know, something that anyone can copy and quickly replace. So like, what's your moat? And then what I next look at is what kind of data are you ingesting? And then aiming that data at your content to make it more personalized, more customized, more unique to the actual user. And so that's really important to me, right? So if you're not ingesting any data uh, and using it to enhance someone's profile or their experience Mm -hmm. or customize it, it reduces the moat. But then we get more into the KPIs that you were talking about, right? You know, dollars and cents. And, And first is like, how do you acquire users? So we look at organic versus paid acquisition, right? How many of your subscribers come through organic means, right? Your own channels, right? Something you own that you pay nothing for. And then how many are coming through paid channels? That percentage is really important. We like to see a lot of our clients have north of 50 percent organic um customer acquisition so once you get no, much north of 50 paid it starts to get really expensive um then we look at monetization and pricing right how do you price your product that obviously ties into ltb so if you think about that if you're pricing it for a $1 dollar versus a hundred dollars your LTV is wildly different and I, I do think one thing entrepreneurs should focus about we we'll talk about this in our last report is pricing right it's really easy to say okay i price it at 29.99 because that's what everything costs in the app store um, so mm-hmm. simple, easy, don't think about it. But in reality, the difference to you personally of pricing at 39.99 or, or 3599 versus 2999 is nothing. Right. And people are paying through Apple Pay. So they're barely, they're barely price conscious. They're just trying to decide is this worth to pay for or not. And so we look at pricing and monetization really importantly. Um, then we look at if it's a niche user base or a TAM, a large TAM, right? Are you going after fitness or if you're going after plant aficionados based in the northwest part of the US? right? You know, it's very important to understand who your customer is. And that helps us, that really helps us understand what your retention is going to look like. Um, And then that's the last category, which is churn and retention. So uh, this is probably one of our most important ones, even more important than revenue growth, which is how long do your customers stay with you? And that proves one product market fit. It proves that every month, every year, when they get that resubscription notice, they're Mm -hmm. saying, Hey, I'm getting value. And to me, that's a great signal of like whether the business and the service is a high quality. So those are kind of the, the areas we focus on, Art.
1: That's that's pretty nice 360 degrees picture on the app and its potential to growth. Just for the sake of the audience, CSS does not the term from HTML. It stands for consumer subscription software. People are not very familiar with this term, we're just using it uh, mm-hmm. constantly, just so they know. All right, so um, generally speaking, um, all app users can be attributed to these two categories or two buckets, uh, whichever you prefer. Ones uh, who bring you a small value, come, kind of a come and go, and the other ones who are really sticking to the app and investing a lot. Can you talk about the mindset of our brands uh, that they should have to with respect to this two?
0: Yeah, so we wrote about this in our 2021 report. We call it um, Tourists and Locals right? To use an American term. So mm-hmm. tourists are people that stop, we use a ski resort as an example, right? They flip in, they, they stay for a couple of weeks, maybe a day or two. Um, they try a bunch of stuff and then they leave and they rarely come back. And locals are people that live there, right? They're there every day. They engage highly. They care about the success of, of the region, of the, of the tourist destination, right? They want it to be successful. And so then they contribute more. And so what we've done is we've published this report and we kind of talked about, Hey, it's easy to chase downloads, right? Really sexy number. It's an easy thing to track when you're saying, Hey, I spent a million bucks on Facebook and I got a million downloads. Awesome. $1 for download. Right. But then the real important thing is how often, how often do people subscribe? Right. So what's your activation rate of those downloads? And that's where people generally stop focusing. And so we've really said, Hey, you should really understand not just where you did get the most downloads from but where you ultimately get the most subscribers from so tracking tracking user all the way from attribution like what channel did they come through to they actually subscribe and retain right and that's hard a lot of people you know you have multiple different systems it's hard to understand exactly the performance of different channels so like companies like revenue cat charge you're starting to do really nice work around this now where you can follow that user all the way through and so what we always do is encourage people to say hey if you're going to grow 10 percent less but you're going to retain 10% more. That is a way better business, way better businesses to retain 10% more. And so helping people focus on understanding who those locals are, what are they using the service for? What are they using the app for? You know, what gets them excited about this? Why have they not churned is always a really great question to ask people. And was it just apathy or do they really find something super interesting here? Asking your users those questions are really important, but then that's how you build big successful businesses, you know, hiding in plain sight. You see, we've seen some really cool stuff that way.
1: Yeah. Uh, by the way, Revenue Cat is another great guest on this podcast. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're, they're just awesome in what they're doing for a developer community. Um, I think this um, this distinction between people who are not spending a lot uh, and you know who are investing uh, heavily first was first pioneered in the game space. Um, people who are into gaming know, know for sure that there are people who are not willing to spend any money and there are so called whales people who spend so much just like uh, I don't know uh, in somewhere in casino in Vegas people can spend uh, the thing next to the slot machine for hours and hours these kind of category of people who are spending a lot in games but these uh, two categories two huge buckets they they are not limited with game space only they're existing in every app category you just have to be mindful of these like, two categories and just like, Eric said be really mindful about your strategy. How do you make the most of the people who are sticking to the, your app? And how do you monetize these items?
0: Yeah, it's it's a great, it's a great metaphor art. And the way to think about it in the subscription space, which is, you know, I pay the same subscription amount as you do, even if you use oh, yeah. it 10 times more. So, but to determine if you're a whale in the CSS space, we think about engagement, right? Do you like if you think about an all trails app, right? How often do you hike and record a trail, put post photos? make the platform better, right? How many of you did you connect a Garmin device or an Apple watch to it? So like it makes the trail, the the hiking that much more accurate. So when we think about whales in the CSS space, we think about people that have really high engagement and are making the platform better by posting content, right? So that free, lovely user generated content that everyone loves. So that's how we think about the whales, but it's a great metaphor.
1: Oh yeah. Uh, let's bring some numbers. Let's talk about subscription renewal rates. Uh, What is it? And can you give them some numbers for different app categories?
0: Yeah. So, so we actually did something with this, with, with Cat. actually, we meant not to give them another shout out, but, but they've got amazing data. And so we partnered with them in our research report this year to, to truly understand, you know, what are renewal rates? What are good, okay, and great renewal rates look like across different categories. So as everyone knows, like health and fitness, there's tons of solutions out there. Right. And so, you know, when we looked at it, you know, generally on an annual subscription, health and fitness can be anywhere between 17% and 36%. You know, best in breed uh, subscription business, including health and fitness, will have a renewal, first year renewal of north of 60%. Right. So that's that's really great is north of 60. Um, And then we've seen other things like education renewal rates of somewhere between 23 and 40% first year. Um, And then the category we kind of talked about that were really exciting is this prosumer category. Right, and they have renewal rates of between eighteen percent and forty-five percent, which is which is really great. Um, and then so I think then it kind of goes up and down different categories, right? Photo and video editing. Sometimes people use it for a short-term solution; they just need to fix one little project. So they have renewal rates of like seventeen percent to thirty percent. So we've got all this in our in our CSS reports. You can see all the charts and graphs. Um, but yeah, the way we think about it is is okay retention is is anything below thirty on an annual annual basis, good. Is anything kind of like thirty to fifty, and then great is something north of sixty percent on first year.
1: Gotcha. Uh, we'll put the link to the report in the description for this episode, so people ch- can check it out themselves.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's page twenty two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. So, can get those straight. Well, now, what new app user uh, acquisition channels marketers should know about, probably haven't heard about them yet.
0: Yeah, it's it's a really good question. We we talked about this last year. Because um, the way we're thinking about it, we talked about this earlier, Art, which is paid versus, versus free, right? Organic channels versus, yeah. versus, versus paid channels. And so everyone's heard of Google. Everyone's posting stuff on LinkedIn, the App Store, right? Mm-hmm. Google, like, um, you know, LinkedIn, Facebook, all pretty common. Instagram. Obviously, the last 24 months have been big for TikTok. Um, we have some CSS clients that are doing phenomenal on TikTok. The one thing with TikTok, it's really hard to win. Right, it's easy to get a lot of views. It's hard to get retention engagement because people are just quickly scrolling past things, and you got about three that's seconds that's to get someone's true. attention. Um, that's that's really tough. So, but where we've seen really uh, a fascinating channels from people it has been one podcast that's been really powerful for people. Um, we've seen Reddit become a powerhouse, and the reason is if you get your app to become loved within a Reddit community or Reddit forum. All the users will talk about it and they will all try it. So those are very passionate forums um, where people care about one very niche topic, right? A Reddit forum could be a thousand users. It could be 10,000 users, it could be a million users, but that's become very powerful. Um, We've seen YouTube become a big pickup for a lot of people. And so like posting videos, uh, getting people to see how the app's being used has been really powerful. I don't know if you're watching any of the artificial intelligence, like the Jasper AI uh, YouTube Uh, videos. They are incredible. Um, and then the last thing I'd probably mention is partnerships. So going offline into real life and partnering with, you know, certain retailers that are, you know, kind of friends of yours, like working with the travel industry to say, Hey, if you're traveling to, to Italy, here's a free subscription to Busu. Um, And so there's a bunch of different ways to get offline and find, you know, find ways to, to track people exactly the time where they might want to make a purchase.
1: Yeah. Reddit is a great example of how we can make your app, um, uh to use to tap the proper word of mouth uh, like a, in a big way. It's your basically ticket to get your app viral mm-hmm. if uh, you find, if you manage to find the community of people who are really uh, into your app and what it provides to them. Yep. Now, because uh, of your perspective on the market, I think you're the best person to ask this question. When it comes to selling an app or fundraising for it, how ad owners should prepare for these steps?
0: Yeah, it's it's a it's a good question. We talk about this literally every day. It's my, it's my day job. Um, the first thing is just truly understand why you want to sell uh, or raise capital, right? Let's assume both of those. So are you trying to get a check um, and kind of de-risk, like, you know, maybe take some of your net worth out of your only business? Are you trying to find a partner, someone to come in and bring money um, to help grow the app, but you're going to stay on and keep running it? Um, do you want to, you know, sell out, take a check and sail to Bermuda, right? Never touch technology again. So, all those questions we really ask people to understand like, don't just do it because it sounds cool. All right. This is a this is a three, six month process of a lot of work. Only go into it if you truly know what your objective is. And and it doesn't just have to be money, it could be a lot of other things. So that, that's step one is really just understand what you're getting yourself into. Um, step two is is be organized, right? Have make sure you have all your legal documents done. If you have employees that have options, make sure those are papered, they're detailed right? You've, you've got a clean cap table, right? So it's easy for people to understand who owns what Um, make sure you're not running afoul of any uh, regulatory issues, right? With GDPR data collection across like California, the EU, the U S it's really hard. So spend the time to make sure your privacy policies are up to date. Make sure your, you know, your usage, your users are all have all kind of said selected yes to the current privacy policy. That's all stuff you could do kind of in the background. And then, you know, then we kind of think about positioning your business, um, across all the other apps and services that are out there, right? So that's a lot of the work that G.P. Bullham does. So if someone comes to us and say, hey, I have a fitness app to be successful, right? It's really hard to get a deal done. Um, we have to understand why you're unique, why you're different. Why will you be better and bigger than you are today, right? So helping us understand that story really comes from listening to the entrepreneur. Um, and then finally, it's it's just the financial detail, right? The user detail um, is really important, almost sometimes more important than the financial detail, but having that really tied down, right? So I could say, hey, how many subscribers did you get in January of 2017, right? Having that data at your fingertips makes the entire process way easier because it's much harder to go back and find data that has been lost through the the sands of time than it is to have it all up front and be crystal clear and scrubbed. Um, So those are generally my thoughts, but it's a lot of pre-homework is the best way to think about it.
1: Gotcha. These are awesome suggestions, Eric. Now we've covered the major topic on the table and I have just a few quick questions I asked more than hundred people on this podcast before and now it's your turn. Uh, this is the way for me to let people, audience who are listening to this podcast to know my guests just a little bit better. So what smartphone do you have now? Have you been switching between these two giants or staying one side?
0: Yeah, I've been I've been an Apple user since it came out, um, and I think it's because I have so many apps because that's what I do for work. Um, it would just be an absolute pain to switch them back and forth between Apple and Android. Um, so I have, I have the latest uh, iPhone. All right, uh, can you remember what was happening before the iPhone? What was your first mobile phone? Oh yeah, I had a Singular Wireless uh, Touch phone. Um, so I don't, even remember, I don't remember. I don't remember. I don't remember the name, but Singular Wireless wasn't. It was previously. Spun out of ATT and then bought back in ATT by AT and T here in the U.S. and that was 2002. Was my first smartphone or my first uh, cell phone?
1: Gosh, I, I obviously cannot remember those days. You know, <laughs> it wasn't even my radar back then.
0: Good for you. Uh, no. I'm very, I'm very old. <laughs> uh,
1: imagine you're um, back to present. Imagine you left your smartphone, your iPhone at home what will be the most missing feature for you when you're out?
0: Yeah, for me, I think it's messaging. I'm, I like to stay in touch with friends and family, so I use WhatsApp and I message pretty consistently throughout the entire day.
1: Uh, probably when you, you know, once in a while, pick up your iPhone and think, wouldn't it be great that thing can do this or that hardware software, not necessarily more, probably more balanced, anything What do you think this thing is lacking at the moment?
0: Yeah. I mean, if you had, if you had asked me if I had a magic wand and what could I do, what could I do with it? um, I would shut down all smartphones for for two hours a day between the hours of like four and 6 PM and people got to go outside and talk to others and and engage in real life. So kind of like a global happy hour. Um, You can't tweet about it. You can't post photos. You can't take a picture. You just got to exist with your friends and family and, and do something between four and six every day. That would be my magic one app feature. So if Apple, if Tim Cook's listening to the podcast and he wants to set that up, just have him give me a ring.
1: Yeah, I think. Uh, well, I think it would be suicide for Apple or some other company that, that uh, sells smartphone. But you know, selling boxes to uh, seal off your smartphone for a while uh, would be great. But I don't think they're in the business of doing that. But anything else, you know, on the hardware or software side that would make it happen. It would be really awesome to have. I would completely agree with you. Yep. All right. Before I let you go, very final question. How can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you do?
0: Yeah. Well, as a technology bank, we're uh, kind of all over the internet. Um. So you can easily go to gpbullhound.com um, and that's got our research Download it for free. Take a look at it. Um, We love contributing to the ecosystem in that way. And then to get in touch with me personally, it's just my email is eric.crowley at gpbullhound.com. You can find me on LinkedIn and then I'm on Twitter at CrowXU um, and pretty active there as well. So always responding to DMs and and messages from people that come in. Don't hesitate to reach out. I love love chatting with people. Even if you don't think you'll be a client for 10 years, we still love talking to people. That's awesome. Thank you, Eric. Thank you for coming on the show and spending time with us. Bye-bye. Thanks for having me, Art. It was a pleasure.
1: And that was my Eric Crowley, partner and GP Bullhound. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Remember, we release episodes on Mondays. So subscribe and you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review or comment on iTunes. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Thank you for listening.
0: See you next week. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.